<clears throat> I'm just waking you up. All right. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yeah, it's not like you've ever done that before. Right, so. never. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to For the Love of God Pod. For the Love of God Welcome to For the Love of God Podcast, a show for Christians that keep it real. Whether you're new to Christianity, a seasoned Christian, or dipping your toes in the baptismal water, this show is for you. Join us and strengthen your Christian walk. Play games and discover new music. This ain't your mama's Christian podcast. For the love of God! All right, welcome back to the show. Another episode. Today, we have news with Nate, a wheel of games, and our topic is to what extent should a Christian's allegiance be to their country? Songs of the week and pastor's thoughts. Fellas, how y'all doing? I'm well. Better now that we're in the studio. Heck yeah. Glad, glad <laughs> to be back, Jason. Right on. Yep, this is Jason, your host, and I am here with my other host, uh, Rick and Nathan. And we are, yo, we howdy, were just howdy. in a deep conversation that we probably could have recorded and called it an episode. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. But, um, so we'll probably mention it in some form or another. Probably so. Probably so. I mean, it is kind of deep, but I think it needs to be said. And yeah, I think so. And into and it kind of it kind of sick. I mean, it kind of fits into the topic a little bit in a way. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Christians' allegiance to the country, or an everyday person's allegiance to the people in their country. So we'll see. So um, I don't know about you, but the weather has been amazing. It, it has. It's been so nice. My favorite thing in the world is to be able to drive to work with the windows rolled down and get fresh air. You know, just a, that little bit of nippiness so you can put your defroster on and mm-hmm. just kind of have a little teeny bit of warm air kind of mixing with it. Oh, it feels so good. Yeah. And you feel like kind of outside. It's awesome. I love it. I got to wear layers yesterday. I had a flannel and a jacket. <laughs> it's like, I love that stuff. It's my favorite time of year when it starts to cool down and I don't have to just wear a t-shirt. That's boring. I do kind of like being able to sleep with the windows open and it's nice and cool. Yeah. Nice little breeze in there. Yeah. Cause it's cuddle weather. Yeah. I mean, we, we, our bedroom's upstairs and so we battle the heat all summer. It just doesn't, the air conditioner's on and it's right there, but are it you, just doesn't are you cool. Over the garage? No. Okay, good. Usually if you have a house and you're over the garage through a bedroom, it's super hot. Yeah. Cause heat rises. Right. Yeah. I don't like cuddle weather, by the way, only because I don't just sleep with my wife. I sleep with my dog. Okay. Oh. And my wife and the dog's in the middle. And the dog chooses that being of greater heat, yeah. which is me. Right. <laughs> so cuddle weather means I get to cuddle with a ginormic Doberman, <laughs> this, whether this I want like to a, or not. Well, this is, sounds like a self-inflicted wound. I'm just going to throw that out there. I, I cuddled. I cuddled with a icicle last night. My <laughs> my wife. <laughs> My wife had her leg outside the blanket and all of a sudden I kind of wake up of her grabbing my hand and pulling it towards her and I'm like, what are you doing? And she puts it on her leg and it is like zero degrees. I'm like, what in the world is going on with your leg? I have a feeling that that God did something to the physiology of women where (laughs) during this time of year that the the temperature of their feet and their hands drops at least 30 degrees lower than the rest of their body temperature. (laughs) It's just something I've noticed. Yeah, Yeah, I don't get it. I don't either. (laughs) Yeah, I had a, she pretty much made me wrap my entire body around it to warm it up. But anyway, here's the news.
Well, this, I, I guess, is kind of appropriate for, for the music, for the news today, because there was actually a really big event this week in the news where uh, Christian aid workers were kidnapped uh, down Ooh. in Haiti. Yeah. Hmm. The thing is, this kind of hits a little closer to home for us because we're based out of Ohio, and this missionary group, which is called Christian Aid Ministries, they're also based out of Ohio. Uh, the Christian Aid Ministries is a, a, a group that was created by Mennonites and Amish people as a, um, just as a, as a, a, a evangelistic, I think, but uh, it's a missionary group, essentially. They go okay. out, they spread the, the gospel, and they just help each other. This group, there was about 17 of them, went down to Haiti, and they were visiting an orphanage when a well-known group of thugs basically kidnapped the entire group. And this gang is notorious because what they'll do is they'll demand absurd ransom amounts for the people that they kidnap. Um, since there were 17 of them, they demanded a ransom of $17 million. That's $1 wow. million per person. Now, some of these... I think uh, about five of these aid workers are kids. Oh, man. So um, one of the pastors was able to get a quick a message out on WhatsApp saying, pray for us. But that's the extent. And it's pretty nasty and it's ugly. And in America, we are mostly sheltered from this type of, of, of outcome in Christian ministry efforts. I'm, we're probably reaching the day where this is going to become a little more common, but we don't normally see this. We, we, t- we tend to think that Christianity is what it is and people just live with it. Mm. And the reality is outside of America, that isn't the truth. Uh, most of the world will stamp, um, st- I mean, stomp on your, your, uh, your Christian liberties if you try to walk your faith out. It's going to cost you. And to see this happening so close to us, because Haiti's, I mean, that's like not, not too far from Florida. We'll put it that way. This is real close to home. And that particular nation has been through a lot of turmoil from the assassination of a president recently to um, a, a seven on the Richter scale earthquake that hit that area. I mean, there's there's a lot that's happening in Haiti where it's become politically destabilized. So it's mm-hmm. a dangerous area to go into. And as missionaries, the, these people probably knew what they were signing up for. But to, to actually experience it versus to think you might experience it is two very different things. So are these people still, still uh, being held? Yeah, they're still... They're still being held as of the time of this recording. Wow. Dang. So if you're listening to this and you are a Christ follower, you need to pray for these people. This is what uh, the word of God tells us. We should pray for people, you know, all over the world, not just people in our sphere of influence. So we need to lift them up that uh, God would save them, rescue them from uh, these people. Yeah. So here's a little more information. There's seven women, five men, five children. And all of them are U.S. citizens except for one Canadian. So they uh, they are Ohio-based. The name of the group that they work with is called Christian Aid Ministries. The FBI is aware and involved, but that's all the information that they've shared so far. Uh, due to operational considerations. Mm-hmm. And let's see here. So this is an Ohio-based group. So that even hits closer to home. Wow. So uh, amazingly, there were there have been 328 kidnappings reported in Haiti's national police just in the first eight months of 2021. So that tells you just how dangerous it is to go there right now. Mm. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. The Department geez. of State currently lists Haiti as do not travel. <laughs> so right. it is dangerous territory. Right. Should be their, their uh, what's that, slogan. <laughs> 
Do not come here. <laughs> Haiti, do not come here. Travelers, beware. So that's the news for today. Make so sure you pray for them. They're asking our government for $17 million or... I think they're asking for American general, pay whoever will pay it. And I don't see our government doing that. Well, I don't Not know. Not the current it, government. Well, no. Well, I don't know. The current, current people that are in power have paid ransoms before to other countries of terrorism, like Iran. They might pay it again. Who knows? But the yeah. problem is, is the moment you pay it, you encourage more of the behavior. Well, I know our motto was, we do not negotiate with terrorists. However, that has flopped. Well, then, then we started electing them. Right. I think Harrison, <laughs> And giving them countries. <laughs> I think Harrison Ford's the one who said that on, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, goodness. The movie just left me. Oh, was my that? gosh. Uh, Hunt for Red October? No, or? no, no, no. Um, <laughs> no, that's Sean Connery. I'm thinking what's of. the plane? Um, Air Force One. Ah. Uh. We do not negotiate with terrorists. That's the whole, that was the whole movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't seen it. Air good. Force it's One. Good. It's an old one. It's I was thinking one. an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> totally different concept there. No, actually Air Force One, when I watched it, I, it was a kind of a moving experience. I was a young pastor when I saw it and I, it was a date night. My wife and I, I went, we went out to see it and I was just like, I was all revved up about, you know, being a pastor in these days, you know, because it was like, you, it was the whole movie makes you really proud of the president. That's the whole thing because he stood up, even if, even though it was going to cost him his life, potentially his wife, his daughter, it could have really cost him, but he just didn't want to back down and he fought tooth and nail to the end. And you're like, wow, man, that's awesome. That movie actually kind of, kind of dovetails into our topic today. Ah, a lot of dovetailing going on. A lot of dovetailing. <laughs> okay. So, all right. I'm swirling in dovetails right now. <laughs> Well, I found saw this. You know, that is a terrible mental picture. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> well, prayers for those people in Haiti. I hope we can get that resolved without any bloodshed or what have you. Yeah, it's kind of scary because when you're dealing with with these types of thugs, you could pay the ransom and still not get your people back. Yeah, That's I mean, a they possibly there's no loyalty there. Yeah, there's they, there's no honor system. There's no nothing. They just no. do what they want. It, very common to the people in the other parts of the world that we're very familiar with. They well, just are relentless. And we relentless. also need to pray for justice. You know, first uh, Corinthians 13 says, you know, justice where we rejoice when justice wins out. Well, we should be praying in this case, not necessarily for the demise of these thugs, but uh, you know, that uh, justice would win out and that they would be uh, incarcerated. Yeah. Agreed. And, and our, you know, prayers do matter. So uh, God does intervene because of our prayers. So I think we need to, to lift them up. Yeah. I'm going to Haiti, prisons like you ever seen that show worst prisons this guy he got wrongfully imprisoned for 20 years and then was let out and now he has a show where he goes to the worst prisons in the world and interviews inmates and wow it's pretty it's pretty pretty awesome show actually <laughs> so which is the there is some nasty prisons out there man see I, I i feel like if i say one it would it would come across as being like racist or something but you know i would I, if i had to guess i would guess turkey or something i don't know i keep hearing something about turkish prisons i, I don't know oh, well i didn't see that one however they were in a prison in russia that was the cleanest most organized prison i've ever seen not i've never been in one personally How did they make but it on the worst prison <laughs> um because of the what's the word regiment maybe that's a good word for it just the way they operate oh, they're very strict oh i see and um i don't know man i haven't seen them in a while however it's time to spin the wheel game time Uh, 
yes, the uh, old yes. wheel of games. Yes, indeed. Nice thing to spin there, the yeah, old I don't wheel have a thing that hooks up my phone to the board, so I'm just going to do the best I can here. I'll add it later. <laughs> spinning, spinning, spinning. It always ends up there. <laughs> where, where, where is it? Would you rather? Would you rather? I, I don't know. Is it? I don't know if this wheel's weighted or it's or a weighted what. Wheel. Well, but um, go. well, I have questions, so we're good. Well, that's good because we're playing. Would you rather? Would you rather? <laughs> All right. All well, right. I'm certainly glad I came up with some questions today. Uh, hopefully these will be uh, interesting, get us to think a little bit. Uh, so here we are. Question number one, gentlemen. Would you rather have the spiritual gift of tongues or the spiritual gift of service? Of course, the reason I ask this is because obviously when Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, he's like, everybody wanted the, the gift of tongues. In fact, there's churches out there today that believe that, you know, if you don't have the gift of tongues, you know, you're just not that. And in fact, some would even go as far as to say you're not even saved if you don't have the gift of tongues. So because it's very, very, you know, um, self-edifying. And if you think about if you think about uh, service, who wants to really, you know, who really wants to be a servant of other people, though we are called to be? So there you go. Mm. So there's your thought. Or there's your uh, would you rather. Right. So Well, where you at? okay, I want to discuss tongues for a minute. Now, there's a, I've got a little confusion going on upstairs okay <laughs> and uh one of them is tongues that for, okay let me start with from what i understand okay tongues is being able to speak in a language as not of yours in a language other than your native tongue correct that's right and so like paul would speak in other languages so he can communicate with other peoples in different countries because he communicate with people from other countries yes but he also prayed in tongues now, so, and now that's, that's a different tongue right that is where it gets a little confusing. that's where no one knows what you're saying but god but god that's okay, right so okay so and i'm not and he and he uses that in an example so we know that he's also referring to that. So yeah. anytime they're talking, whether it be for the purpose, well, it can be used three different ways. One, it can be used to pray. Two, it can be used to, to and it's typically combined with prophecy uh, or teaching uh, to a group of people that are not your native tongue, which we saw in the second chapter of Acts. Right. And then the third way, which he talks about also in First Corinthians, he talks about the gift of tongues where where you have an interpreter. So one person will get up and speak in a foreign language and then an interpreter will get up and interpret. And usually that is also connected to a prophecy or word or teaching. It's pretty deep. So yeah, sorry, I took us there. But for the sake of this particular game, we don't necessarily have to go real deep on this. Just to know, would you rather have that? Because, you know, if you know if it's... The reason it's self-edifying is if you speak in a language that you don't know, wow, it's immediately you know God is doing something amazing, right? Mm -hmm. You don't even have to guess, pray, hope, or wonder. I mean, you know God is doing something in your life. And I've certainly seen real tongues where people, you know, and it's, it is kind of amazing. Um, but so is the gift of healing. So that's why I didn't compare these two because they're both kind of cool. <laughs> right. But would you rather have that cool gift? And I, the challenge is, would you rather have the cool gift that really immediately you would know, oh, God is intervening, which would be, which is what Paul says is self-edifying. It, it, it builds up your faith. It's like, wow, that was amazing. 
Or would you rather have the gift of service? Because Paul says at the end, he said, if you're going to, if you're going to, because everybody wanted the gift of tongues. It was like the whole church, the church of Corinth, what they wanted the, the gift of tongues. And so he's teaching, hey, it's a cool gift. Wish y'all had it. I wish you prayed his tongue as much as I do. Do it all the time. However, if you're going to desire the gifts, desire ones that edify the church, not just yourself. Right. And okay. so I picked service because it's the one that kind of makes you work the hardest. Yeah. Why are you listening at home? Uh, if you read First uh, Corinthians chapter fourteen, mm-hmm. that's where he really goes in depth on this. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Nate. Well, um, uh, brother Donald was discouraged. He came to me discouraged that he's been asking the Lord for the gift of tongues, and he's just not. He doesn't get it. And um, I, I prayed and came to him with this that you don't have the gift of tongues you're not he hasn't given you that gift because you don't need it everybody you talk to speaks a language you talk with so there's no reason to have that gift because there's nobody else to talk to with a different language around here in paul's paul's situation he was surrounded by countries that had different languages and dialects and everything he needed that in order to communicate them or at least it could be used in a more powerful way yeah right that you know even if he didn't necessarily need it, need it, it certainly would have been more powerful there. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, so I'm, I'm agreeing with what you're saying. Right. Just putting another spin. In yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. unnecessary for us to right. have that gift. Well, and Paul says, you know, the Spirit of God, we're really off here, but the Spirit of God, right. you know, the Holy well, Spirit is who determines who That's gets what's what, so great yeah. about this game. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit is who determines and we have to yield to him. It says we can desire gifts, which to me implies I can pray for gifts, but he spends an entire chapter saying, guys, I know the gift of tongues is cool, but if you're going to desire gifts, please desire the ones that really edify others. And, you know, it can be used in, in ways to build up this church, not just yourself. Yeah. So I'm not saying there's not a reason to desire that gift, but certainly if you're out there and you don't have the gift and, you know, maybe you're a part of a group I used to be. Um, in fact, I remember being in Donald's shoes. Um, I was in a group of people in the military that were all hyped up on, hopped up on the spiritual gift of uh, tongues and felt like if I didn't have that, I just wasn't, you know, there yet. Yeah. And I did a lot of studying, a lot of praying. And, uh, you know, God confirmed to me during that time that, you know what, I've given you what I'm giving you. It's kind of like, Paul, please take this thorn away from me. My grace is sufficient for you. You know, that was kind of my response. Yeah. But it was weird because he gave me this awesome feeling. It was weird. I had all these guys praying for me. And I mean, I had a feeling that went through my body. I have never experienced it and haven't to this day experienced anything like it. And it was like, God was trying to say, look, you get it. You got the Holy spirit. I'm there. This just isn't going to be for you right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I had never been more confident in my life when I walked away. So hopefully he'll, he'll have that confidence. Right. So all well, that being said, all that being said, I guess, uh, the get the service, um, which I already have. I I've been in this service before. I mean, before I was a Christian, I was serving people my entire life. Um, and then it transferred over to where it's already in my DNA. It's already in my way of living. Mm-hmm. So it, it was very automatic to just continue to do that in a different format. Mm. Um, however, I would like more of that so I can do a better job of it. Um, cause there's times where I don't have, you know, there's days where I just don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think we're all there. Sometimes. I don't want to do anything for you. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, It'd be great, you know, tongues would be cool, I guess, but I don't want to have that feeling that I'm, 
higher. I'm a more Christian than you because I can speak to God in this language and right. I don't need that weight on me. That, that, so that, yeah, that would be like to me a pride incentive. Yeah. <laughs> I think and, I might, right. I might be with you on that. I think I probably, I, I hate to jump ahead of Nathan there, but I think I would definitely, as much as I think it would be cool, very self edifying, very, you know, knowing, Hey, you know, this is the spirit of God, certainly not me. Um, and, and I sort of already understand the importance of servanthood, but like you said, I, I think that is servanthood is where you earn the right to be heard. And with evangelism being so important right now, if I can't, if I don't have the gift of evangelism, I want servanthood. So I'm going to mm-hmm. take that. Mm-hmm. How about you, sir? I've got a couple thoughts on this. Um, there was a period of time when I, I spent my life in the apostolic church. So uh, it wasn't a very long season, but I was there for a couple of years. And um, this particular church I went to was very, very upfront about speaking in tongues. And, mm-hmm. and kind of, I thought they a little went a little too far. They were a little too focused on the gift and not the giver. Right. Um, but I see it as real. Mm-hmm. I do see it as a gift that is specifically for those who are unbelievers. So it really serves no purpose to believers. So if you're in a church environment, you really should shouldn't be doing it unless there's an interpreter present because you're not edifying the, you're not, you're not building everybody up. Uh, that's kind of one of the things that Paul talks about in 14, right? Uh, first Corinthians 14. But I just had this thought come in my head where I've got a new neighbor who does not speak English and had a real difficulty communicating with her when she's out in the garden. And both my wife and I have had conversations where we're like, we really wish we could build a friendship with this neighbor because we had a good friendship with our previous neighbor. Um, I've never leaned into that. I've never attempted to lean into speaking with, with tongues mm. now. Very interesting. What language do they speak? Do you know? I'd have to know the language to be able to tell you that. I don't. It's not familiar. Know. It's not familiar. You can't figure it out. If I had to guess, it's probably somewhere like, uh, uh, Pakistan, maybe somewhere oh, in that area. Oh, okay. It's not, it's not one I'm real confident. Uh, N- nothing we're used with. to around this part. Right. Not Spanish, not right. Russian. It's not one of the, it's not one of the romance languages or anything. Like right. That. Um, well, you see, I think if your heart is, you know, is that, that you want to reach people, I, I, you know, I think that God, you know, that's, I think it's a valid thing to pray for it. You know, the, the, the Bible says we should desire gifts that to me implies that we can pray for them. So who knows? You know, yeah. 14 very clearly says pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Right. And above all that, you may prophecy. Mm -hmm. So he's like saying, of all the gifts, you probably should be pursuing prophecy more than the other ones. Right. Yeah. Prophecy is a scary gift. <laughs> it is, but that's kind of what the whole be- chapter is about. So yeah. Right because if you prophesy, <laughs> you better be right. <laughs> I, yeah, I, like the, uh, I like the Old Testament solution where hey, if, if you have someone who claims to be a prophet and they get it wrong, stone them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but these are all real valid gifts. And, you know, the, the, uh, the moral of that story, before we get on the next one, is simply, you know, desire the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit needs you to have it within your body, within your local of expression of the body of Christ. And don't back off, you know, don't, don't be afraid. If, if God wants you to have the gift of prophecy, take the, you know, bull by the horns and go for it. Um, if it's teaching, you know, Paul teaches, if it's teaching, teach well, if it's, you know, servanthood serve as if it's the last thing to do on earth. Yeah. Thing about so. prophecy though, is you may not be around when it comes through. <laughs> sure. It could take hundreds to thousands of well, years. Daniel, look at Daniel, all the prophecy he was involved with that right. yeah. much of it is yet to occur because it was really the end right. of the times. Right? But just think if he yeah. would have backed off and not, and that wouldn't have been recorded. Yeah. Sure. We'd and be we, missing a whole lot of information. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, to answer your question, I'd probably go with service. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were actually picking tongues. I no, thought, well, I, that's good that I we have. I, I don't think I would, <laughs> if I was to think very, very selfishly, I would say tongues because that way I could talk to my neighbor. 
Maybe you should pray for know, that. That's, I don't know if that's selfish if for that reason. That's what I was God saying. knows you have a neighbor that you would like to communicate with and mm-hmm. teach, you know, tell them the gospel. And, and if you're willing to do it and that's your heart, who knows? I'm not saying know. God will yeah, do it, but I'm saying I mean, it's worth trying. Yeah, maybe I'll lean into it. See what yeah. happens. There Let's you go. go. All, right, All right. Next question. Would you rather be discipled by Peter or Paul? <laughs> you get to be one-on-one <laughs> discipled. Oh, I know who Nathan wants. <laughs> <laughs> I picked those somewhat strategically, just so you know. <laughs> well, I don't know Peter that well, so I'll pick Paul. Okay. All right. I keep getting them mixed up, so. <laughs> well, Peter. I, I, might, well, I might know the, him better big, than I think I do. The big difference well, is the, Peter the was remember one of them the, is you rob one to pay the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way you want to uh, remember it is G, uh, Pete. Pete, Jim, and John, right? Peter, yeah. James, and John. They were like the, those three disciples that were closest to Jesus. So you would be discipled by somebody who spent a lot of one-on-one time with Jesus. Uh, However, comma, Paul, obviously, uh-huh. you know, has a whole, you know, and you know more about Paul, so I don't say that. He, he wasn't, one, he was not, you know, one of the disciples. He came along later. However, he had an experience with Christ. It was just a much different kind of experience. Um, so, yeah. Wait a minute. He was the one that Jesus. Paul had deep theological training <laughs> as, as a, a Pharisee. Pharisee. Right, right. Now, this is before he became Christian. Right. Right. When he was Saul. When he was. That's right. Right. Um, and then he, he was struck blind on the road to Damascus. Right. And sent on to be healed. And then he went off to be the one to write, you know, a good chunk of the New Testament. So on one hand, you have a New Testament writer. Uh, on another hand, you have somebody who is trained by Jesus himself. I might have to cut this out, but <laughs> <laughs> um, did you say Paul wasn't a disciple? He was not a disciple. Ever. He wasn't any of the he 12 disciples. He was not disciples. one of the 12 disciples. He was never really? <laughs> yes, really. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, you'll probably want to get that <laughs> I mean, you don't have. I to. mean, why did I think he? I mean, he wrote half the freaking New Testament. Of he course, he was I, certainly a first generation, right? A, a first generation. I, I, well, I, it's appropriate to call him a disciple, but not one of the twelve. Not one of the disciples. twelve. And he did. He did go back and visit. And I didn't thought he them. was. I mean, he, he did connect a, with them in Jerusalem. So he met them. They they recognized him. Right. They they understood his. They they come to believe that his transformation was real. Right. And uh, he was accepted by the church. Church. He was just. They stayed. Well, the disciples pretty much stayed in Jerusalem and worked with many of people. Them did. Most of them. They right? wound up dispersing a little yeah. bit, but but Paul went straight out. Oh but, yeah, you Paul know. was like, "Yeah, you got you can focus on the Jews. I'm going straight to the Gentiles." Yeah, and that's what he was told to do. It wasn't like he came up with the idea on his own. That's, that's own, true. But, that's you know. true. Yeah. So interesting. Anyway, so now that we got all that established, who I'm ashamed. Who do you want to be? <laughs> who do you want to be discipled by? If you yeah, got yeah, had an opportunity. All right. So. Probably Peter, because he was close to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So he's got some good nuggets, I'm sure. I'm certain he had some good nuggets. Coming yeah. right off of uh, you know Sermon off the Mound. I mean, right. You, know, you got it all firsthand and probably spent a lot of one-on-one time with Jesus. Yeah. And he what I don't learn. Transfiguration. I mean, you know, all those private moments. Yeah. And what I don't know, what I don't, know, what I don't learn from Peter, I can read from Paul. <laughs> <laughs> good point. That's a good observation. <laughs> Right. Peter did write a little bit, I think. He wrote first and second Peter, right? I, I believe As far as I know, that's it, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um Peter's my guy. Yeah. Yeah, he is he is he is a colossal screw up of a character. <laughs> and he gives me hope. <laughs> because if there was ever a 
up time or a place where you can put your foot in your mouth, Peter was the one who was there. Yeah. And that's me. I, I, I freely admit I will put my foot in my mouth over and over and over again. But um, yeah, he, he gives me hope. If, if Christ can see something valuable in him, he can see something valuable in me. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I would probably have to say I, both. There is no wrong answer there. They would be both amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. But uh, based on just Paul's adventures, his experience, his zeal, um, I, I would like to I, I would like to hang out with Paul for a little while. He's just, you know, kind of a hero of mine, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I see that because, so. uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely done a lot. I mean, you know, hey, I'll take Peter, too. I mean, like I said, there's no wrong answer here. But if I had the choice, I'm probably going to go with Paul. I'll yeah. also add in there that Paul was a bivocational pastor, so he had, he, he would a, probably have a lot of nuggets for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you keep your head sane. This is how you don't go nuts when you're doing this. Indeed. All right, last question. Would you rather experience the first seven plagues of Egypt, which were in order, blood, frogs, lice, flies, livestock, livestock pestilence, boils, and hail, or seven years of famine? Do I experience this as a Jew or do I experience this as an Egyptian? I'm going to have to say Egyptian because the Jews didn't really get the brunt of this. That was kind of my point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I wouldn't mind being a Jew and being in Egypt, but. Um, yeah. So as an Egyptian, would you rather experience the seven plagues? Because you could want the, you could want, you could want this for various reasons. You might just want to say, wow, that would be cool to see God do this stuff. But then again, blood, frogs, <laughs> lice, flies, blah, or seven years of famine, which is obviously no fun. As a fat man, the idea of famine is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Although the weight loss program is rather, uh, rather impressive uh, from what I understand. It is a, yeah, I, I, I do not foresee myself ever enjoying famine. So I will throw that out there that for that reason, I'll probably go to the other side. Well, okay. See, I'm not big in the famine myself. Uh, I can, I can, I, as a I, chef. Yeah. I, right. Seems kind of, well, yeah. And <laughs> I don't have the extra fat to keep me by for a while. <laughs> However, wasn't the barn filled to prepare for that seven years of famine? Yeah, so yes. you're talking about the dreams of Joseph. Yes, however, yeah. comma, however, comma, <laughs> they had to pretty much sell themselves into, into slavery. slavery in order to get the food, which was common. Well, this was a little bit more. It wasn't the Jew. It wasn't the Jewish. You know, you get out every seven years. Oh. You know, every seven years you get set free during the jubilee, whatever year jubilee. Um, no, this was basically they sold their land, they sold all their stuff, and now they're down to them. So they're like, okay, we'll sell ourselves into slavery and. Yeah, yeah, forever. Ah. So you don't have to do that for the seven years of famine, right? You can just starve and find a sheep. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, I'm just saying that's what most people did. I, yeah. You know, so right. otherwise you got to go find something. Man, I don't like a couple flies. I don't know if I can do the Another thing to stuff. Think about is the, when you get into famine, people are not smart. I mean, they are beyond not smart. And famine, they will kill a chicken rather than wait for it to lay two eggs. Because they're desperate. Because they're desperate. They're mm. not smart. And when you throw the ability for, if you look at historically what Egypt did, they became the wealthiest nation in the world because of Joseph's dreams. Right. And because the Pharaoh had the the uh, wherewithal to put him in charge, put all this food away, and then they just bought everything on discount because everybody else was starving. 
that same situation, if with people are starving, they are exceptionally easy to control. True. So you'll do anything for you'll do anything a morsel for food, yeah. particularly if you have loved ones. You'll yeah. do anything for right. them. A terrifying place to be. It is. All right. So we have what do we have? What, what do we oh, have? my choice is not famine. That's Your my choice. choice. Is not so. You are going through the the first of the set. The Bring on set. the plagues. Oh, you know I'll, what? Frogs? All right, that's a whole lot of frog leg dinners right there. Just, <laughs> we all go gigging together. <laughs> what did you pick? I'm going to go with plagues, too. The plagues, too. And, you know, that's kind of what I think the reason I was going to pick plagues is simply this. The famine lasted seven years. The plagues were over a lot quicker than that. So, you know, it'd be a short term. I think I can just, you know, just deal with it somewhere. for a little while. And, yeah. it, would, it would be awful. But then also just to see God's power in a, you know, kind of that way, too. So, yeah, uh, yeah I'll go through it temporarily. Save seven years so I can keep eating cheeseburgers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, if they were smart, speaking of the chickens, they would allow those chickens to lay eggs, allow the eggs to hatch and make more chickens and have more chickens and then have eggs and chicken. <laughs> so let's move on to the topic. Um, to what extent should a Christian's allegiance be to their country? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So what are they saying here? Should Christians vote? Should we care about what people are deciding to do in office and schools and everywhere? Um, no, I think it goes deeper than it that. It definitely does deeper than that. Much deeper. But on the surface, you have to start with the surface first because those decisions we make in the voting booth and school districts and, and whatever start, it builds that foundation that protects what is actually deeper. If we're not voting for the right president, if we're not voting for the right school well, board. Before we start going into votes, I think that's a, that's part of the conversation, but maybe a little deeper into the conversation. So let's talk about what this question is really is getting at. Um, there is this thing right now called nationalism, which is viewed as a terrible um, plague upon humanity if you are on the political left. Okay? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you are on the right, socialism and communism are the plagues of against humanity. Amazingly, if we look at the single most evil person you could probably think of, you're probably going to come to the conclusion that it's Adolf Hitler, who was a national socialist. <laughs> That's literally where the word term Nazi comes from. It's national socialist. So there is this concept with nationalism that it's, it tends to be tied to Christianity. And a lot of times when you hear people talking against nationalism, they're talking against Christianity, but they mask it by calling it nationalism. So what's nationalism? So nationalism is loyalty and devotion to a nation, and it is perfectly natural for each and every one of us to feel like um, some sense of loyalty or devotion to the country in which you're born. It's just a, a part of being thankful, really. But there are good and there are bad examples of it, even in the Bible. It's one of these things where it, if it's applied and applied well, good things come. If it's applied and applied poorly, bad things come of it. And humanity and our fallen nature tends to get it wrong. Mm. So. So you look like you had something you wanted to say. So yeah. I just, all right. No, I'm just listening. <laughs> so let's talk about Israel. So ancient Israel was definitely a nationalistic culture, mm -hmm. extremely nationalistic. But that was God's intent. You can see that right. in Psalm 137, 4 through 6. Mm -hmm. And when he called Abram to leave his home and travel to a land that God would show him, God was in the process of building a theocratic nation. And I got to thank got questions for a lot of this because they're helping guide my thoughts on this process. Um, but he was building a theocratic nation. Nation. Now, please recognize America is not a theocratic nation where we are more of a, uh, what's the term I'm 
democratic a democratic republic. All right, so when yeah, we are not the, a theocratic uh, theocratic country, right. Israel was. Now, in order for them to be the people that God called them to be, they had to be a people that were set apart. And God made very clear, you do not interact with these people, these people, these people, or do this, this, or this. That created a very national culture, mm-hmm. but that was God's purpose, was to create the, the people from which his son would come that would save all of the nations. Right. And they were to be set apart for him. It was kind of a little little different than just your standard run-of-the-mill nation. That's right. So they had these these laws of culture that made them distinctive. But by the time Christ came, they had turned it into a form of country-based prejudice against others. If you look at how the the Israels, uh, the Israelis of the time, or the Jews of the time, treated or considered anyone who was from Samaria or even other Gentiles, mm-hmm. they were treated like they were filth of the earth because they thought they were so much better than right. just because of their their parentage, really. Right, and that was the only reason because they didn't realize that God was doing something special through them. I can keep going if you want, but I wanted to give you guys the opportunity to share too. (laughs) I wasn't sure where you were going. I I just wanted you to finish your thought. (laughs) So uh, Israel was basically told you do not mix with the pagan nations around them. Um, And anyone who was an outsider that wished to join Israel had to submit to God's law and become like the Hebrews. So nationalism was necessary to create the holy people for God's purposes of sending his son. Now, where it took a wrong turn, I kind of mentioned before, was was the perversion of God's laws by people where sin entered into the, the picture here. And they looked down on the Gentile nations that they assumed being born Jewish was all they needed to be right with God. And that was not true. So John the Baptist even rebuked such thinking. Um, you can see that in Matthew 3, 9. For some Jewish people, they're still making the same mistake. But nationalism itself is not necessarily a bad thing, but it can equate to religion. And that kind of dovetails back into what I was saying earlier on, where a lot of people who attack nationalism today, they're attacking Christianity, but they're hiding behind the fact that they're, 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 they're attacking nationalism. It's, it's, a, it's a war by proxy type thing. So the Bible, you have to understand where nations come from. In the Bible, nations started as families, also as ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. And then as the families grew, they became nations. And to be against... Big focus of the Old Testament. Big focus of the Old Testament, right? So to be against nationalism just because it's against, because it's nationalism is to put yourself against God's word because God created the nations, right? That's his plan. Mm -hmm. And if you stand against that, you're putting yourself in a bad place. So just be careful. Be very careful. Well, he, he certainly does say that uh, he allows kings, rulers, presidents, you know, to be in power. He actually appoints, you know, I don't know about appoints, but he certainly allows them to be in power. And uh, we're told to pray for our leaders, you know, pray for peace all over the world. So, you know, you can you can be loyal to your country. Um, I mean, I think that's important. If you're in a country you don't like, if you if you're in a country that's stands for something that you don't stand for, there are other options. Certainly, you know, you, you get out, you move on. But once you uh, you know, once you get into uh, 
once you're in a place where you can, you know, generally buy into it, then I think this is where I think, Jason, you were heading, you know, what about the average bear who isn't really thinking about all this stuff, just wants to know, hey, how much do I have to get involved? I was just talking to a guy this uh, about a week ago. He said, yeah, I don't vote. I don't believe in it. I don't think it's really necessary. I don't, you know, I don't get involved in that kind of stuff. It's just not not applicable for me. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's where a lot of us stand. Uh, you know, we're, we're more of the, the practical application of all this. So, you know, how much do I get involved? How much do I support? Especially if, uh, you know, if the party or the group or the governor or the president or whatever that's in charge right now isn't somebody I believe in. You know, what? how do I support that? What do I do? Right. Was, you, you, you have to, you have to go you support your allegiance to your country by supporting those that are leading this country that have Christian values. If a president, for example, once is for abortion and another one is against it, then you obviously select the one that's against it because it goes with your Christian moral compass. Well, that's that's if you're voting your values. But a lot of people today, they don't vote their values. They vote for what's best for them. Correct. And that is part of our fallen condition. Mm-hmm. We've forgotten who we are and how we got here and right. how to protect this. Right. And we, that's why you're seeing the moral collapse we're seeing today. Well, this is about Christians allegiance, which if they're truly Christians, big if, then they are less to be inclined to think about themselves and more inclined to think about others Hopefully. and the good of the whole yep. country. Yep. Um, so it's kind of way the angle you kind of got to look at it. How do true Christ followers, true Christians show their allegiance to their country and how far do they go with it? When you have school boards that are shoving critical race theory down students' throats and, and teaching them good is bad and bad is good, then we as Christians need to be on that school board and protest against that school board if they're not teaching our children the correct way and and, and good values and how to be a proper citizen of this country. And so they don't grow up to be a bunch of idiots that want to destroy it like we see today. And another thing is what we're seeing now, in well, everywhere, um, but I can only speak of America, is by design. And you can read about it in the Bible. <laughs> we all we all knew this was going to happen. Um, all these things must come to pass. Right. And so <clears throat> technically, there's very little we could have done about any of it um, at this point. Uh, the history of America, however, was the way it was because of Christian values, because a majority of this country was raised on Christian, Christian ethics, at Christian morals and Christian values. Um, ethics, I think was the word you were That's the word yeah. I was shooting <laughs> for. Yeah. And, uh, so you had wholesomeness in your, in your community. You had friendly people and, and people willing to help each other and, that's gone away. Everything is, I think really since the dawn of the internet, everybody is more, they got their head down. They don't care about everybody else around them. They care about themselves, fulfilling themselves, entertaining themselves. And I think it, I was just talking about this the other day, how it really ruined society. You could make an argument that technology has done more to to ruin society. Um, That's definitely, it was the acceleration of technology that really kind of led to some of of the the more obvious ramifications of the collapse that we're seeing Mm -hmm. uh, in society today. 
but that's because technology advanced, but people didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things. Yeah. People are people, and if you if you enable them to do bad things, they will do bad things. Right. Well, technically speaking, the devil is behind it all. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, well, I think I, I think when we talk about this concept, it's very easy to sort of come to the conclusion. Well, it's got to go this way anyway. So why should I even bother? I'll just let happen what happens. I don't know that we can take that stand as a Christian. We have to stand up for justice. We have to stand up for what is right. We have to promote uh, good morals, Christian teaching, godliness. We need to be making disciples, teaching other people, and trying to see our uh, government, and that starts with local government, starts with our church, really, and then moves out to local government, towns, Actually, counties. starts at the individual level, then it goes to the father of the family, then it goes yeah, to the church. right. Then it goes to the community. It's supposed to start as a as a ground up. Right, exactly. Which means the government we have is a reflection of the people we are. Right, right. So I think it's our responsibility to continue that until we no longer can. Right. You got to fight the good fight. I mean, I, again, the, the word can. of God doesn't really tell us who this is, but we all know that if you if you read the Bible, you know that... Um, at some point, there's going to be this crazy character uh, called the Beast who sets himself up in the temple and he creates this um, treaty with the nation of Israel and he, everything, you know, peace happens and everything's cool for like half the, you know, three and a half years. And then at some point that treaty gets broken and we know that the restrainer is taken away. Now we don't really know, you know, the Bible doesn't specifically say who the restrainer is, but I, I, I firmly believe that the church, the people of God filled with the Holy Spirit, that partnership, I believe that is the restrainer. Mm-hmm. And so the restrainer has to do the work of keeping evil at bay until we are pulled out. When we're pulled out, then everything's just going to go, you know, going to go south, you know, but we're not going to be here, hopefully. Thessalonians talks about a great apostasy, where if you're not familiar with the term apostasy, it's the great falling away, Mm -hmm. right? It's Mm -hmm. where people no longer look on good teaching and see it as good teaching. They see it as evil teaching. And it's it's like a a brainwashing of an entire populace. And Mm -hmm. we're kind of seeing that happen right now. Oh, absolutely. And uh, according to the teachings in Thessalonians, you have to have the great falling away first before you can have the rise of this beast that Pastor Rick's talking about. Mm -hmm. But if you see apostasy where people start to chase after bad theology, that would very well lead to those moments where you no longer have people who are Christians in positions of power and leadership leadership and that would create the vacuum necessary to open those doors. Right. Mm-hmm. However, comma, out of the same side of our mouth, we ought to realize and we ought to be able to say, look, I still have a responsibility here. It doesn't matter what part of, you know, the history that I'm in, we know we're getting close to the end. We can see that. We see the signs of the times. We know we're getting close. But as Christians, we don't have a choice but to do what Christ told us to do. We we have to follow God's word and we have to be good examples. We have to get involved. And so what does that mean? That means we get involved in government. We start at home, as you pointed out, Nathan. Uh, you know, we get involved in local government. We we vote and vote our part and, and vote for the people that we believe will do the better job, that will lead us closer to uh, to a, a, a Christian nation. Um, and, I, and I'm going to say that because I believe that's the way our nation started out in America. That's the way I believe. If you don't believe that, I apologize to you. But I believe that... If you don't uh, believe that, you're allowed to be wrong. That's... Yeah. 
So exactly. <laughs> right. But I believe we should pray. Uh, you know, the Bible says pray for our government. That means even when it is being led by somebody you don't care for, and that means local government, national government, whatever, you pray for them. And you and you don't, you know, necessarily badmouth them. You spend your time praying for them and pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, because God can use the wrong people to do the right things. Um, just like uh, the Pharaoh in Egypt. We talked about it earlier. I'm not, you know, he did the right thing eventually. And it was because of God. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I'll take it a step further where one of the things that can happen with nationalism is you get, you can get this, this fervor, almost religious fervor for the con, the concept of your country. Like we, you can see it. There are a lot of people that are flag waving like America, right? right. And that might be taking it a bit far. And it is taking it a bit far because we are citizens of a very specific country. All right. And I'm, I don't mean America. I mean the kingdom of heaven. Amen. That's where our citizenship lays because right. America, as great as its founding principles were, it never died on a cross for your sins. Mm-hmm. It cannot accept the penalty of your of your sins. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's an idea, and right. that idea is a great idea, and it's a grand idea. And technically, we're foreigners. That's it, what we're told. That's correct. Even yeah. though we live in America or Canada or wherever you're from, and you're listening today, we are still. If you are a Christ follower, you are a foreigner and an alien. That's correct. <laughs> Just visiting. This is not your home. <laughs> and to that end, Romans 13 tells us that we are to be subject to the governing authorities because there is no authority except that which God has established. Right. So we are to obey the laws of the land until those laws contradict with what the Bible tells us to do. Right. And that's a very important point because there is a point where even our allegiance and our, we want to set a good example for people. We want to, we want to pray for peace. We want to promote peace. We want to do all that, but when the government steps over the line and begins to break God's laws and causing us to do it, then that is where we no longer have an obligation to sin uh, in order to support our government, and that's when we have to put our foot down. And that might take some, uh, shall we say, intestinal fortitude, some some tremendous character. Yeah, Acts 5.29 is a good reference point for when you should disobey the law. Um, but I kind of want to build on this point where when Israel was exiled to Babylon, uh, because of their disobedience, right? This was one of God's punishments on them. Um, if you read Jeremiah 29, 7, he tells them to pray for the land that they're in. Right. Right. So, because if, if, if that land is blessed, then therefore you are blessed because mm-hmm. you are in that land. Right. So even when people who are obviously, you know, there's, there's a term if you're, if you're against Jewish people, it's called anti-Semitism. I don't know what the term is if you're against Christian people. I think we need to create one because there are, there are a lot of, I'll just let that hang. That's actually not bad. The, um, (laughs) the, um, there's a lot of people in power today who do have an, a negative animus toward Christians and it's, it's bad. They will do everything they can to hurt them. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'd go as far as say, even if you're in a country that is not what you would consider a good, comp, uh, you know, a country that has good morals, good ethics, whatever, and maybe you're a Christian and you're in that country and you're being persecuted and other Christians are being persecuted, you might not have the option to leave. You know, that just because just because there are other countries does not mean you have the means to get out. Um, and so, therefore, what do you do? You still try to make a difference where you are. You bloom where you're planted. That's right. And you pray 
pray for that government uh, because why wouldn't you pray for the government? Because if, if, if there is peace, you're in a country full of peace. There's other Christians that are being persecuted just like you. So you can still get involved. And that is still our, you know, that is still our edict biblically, uh, except of course, when it comes to, you know, the, when they start breaking God's laws, you know, we should not do that. Yeah. So we have, there are times to say no. Mm-hmm. It's okay to vote. It's okay to defend freedom. It's okay to protect your home from, from foreign threats. Mm-hmm. It's not wrong to feel proud of your nation when it does right and to sing its anthems and to show joy and appreciation. Mm-hmm. Those are all good Christian characteristics. So we can still celebrate Independence Day and not feel bad about it. We can, that's okay. right. Yeah. Um, contrary to what many in power would try to tell you today. Um, so long as that nationalism does not displace your first allegiance to Christ, right. you're in a good place. It's okay to feel good about your country when it does right. But at the same time, we're called to be salt and light. And we're, like Pastor Rick mentioned, we're supposed to bloom where we planted. Which means if you are supposed to bloom where you're planted, you have the ability to vote and you do not vote for those things which would put you best in alignment with Christ's walk. You're walking in dangerous territory. You're, you're walking in disobedience. We, we are supposed to be salt and light. And Christ himself even says, what, what good is salt when it loses its flavor? Mm, nothing. Right? Just mm-hmm. to be thrown out and trampled on, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, in fact, uh, I would even go a step further. You know, some I, I this I was just talking, like I said, to uh, somebody that said they didn't vote. And they said, well, you know, I just there is nobody that's right or wrong. You know, there's like this guy has some positive and negatives. This guy or gal has some positive and negatives. And that's true. That's probably true of every single candidate out there. Nobody's just, I mean, I don't know that every person. Evil. Oh, yeah, until Jesus himself is right. valid. Right. Yeah. But, you know, you have to, I think we have a moral obligation to look at, you know, who is going, who has a higher chance, percentage chance to lead us in the direction we need to go. And you need to have, you know, the, uh, the guts to go in there and make a stand. Right. But it also requires knowing what, what your God would want of you, which means you need to read your Bible. Right. And I think we have an opportunity there to pray, God, who would you have me vote for? Now there's a novel concept right there, right? That, that was actually, I did that. Mm-hmm. When uh, when Trump was first going up against Hillary, mm-hmm. I remember standing in the ballot box and I just started praying. And I, I admit I had a couple of tears in my eyes because I felt both of them were the wrong candidate. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, who should I pray? Who should I vote for here? <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. And uh, after praying for a little while, I probably paid for about five minutes. I pulled the lever for the, the eventual president. And wow, was I surprised. Yeah. Wow, was I surprised that he was great. But I did it in obedience. Wow. I've always wanted to go into a booth where there's a lever. I've never had one of those. I'm I just haven't either. Well, that you when I say lever. pull the lever, oh, that's I'm, just I'm, a figure to speak. One of oh, those. Well, one of those. Okay. What a great conversation, though. I I, w- I wasn't sure where that was all going to go. So. Oh, it neither. Pretty awesome. <laughs> Pretty awesome. That was some good stuff. Yeah. Well, it's that time. Songs of the week. So I wasn't in the mood till that music. Now I'm in the mood. Now you're in the mood. <laughs> okay. So uh, who's going first? I'm right here. So I'll go ahead and uh, go. Uh, this is a brand new, I think it's brand new. It's 2021. Uh, so it can't be more than a few months old. Uh, but today's song I chose uh, is a song that my uh, daughter actually shared with me. 
a few weeks ago, and I didn't even know it was out. It's a song called Stand, brand new by the Newsboys. Ah, They've been around for a like while. Like a newsstand. Ah, <laughs> not quite. Okay. But uh, yeah, great, uh, great album. I was kind of checking it out. But this song in particular, I just thought was really good. Um, just a you know, it's musically good. There, most of the newsboy stuffs I, I like. It's musically good, but uh, lyrics really hit me. So, who will I be when trouble comes calling for me? Will I live the way I believe when I'm backed up against the wall? What kind of heart do I have in my chest? Does it beat for my savior or just my flesh? What will I do in the moment that everything falls? I'm going to stand in a world that's breaking. Stand for a truth unchanging. I'm not ashamed. I've considered the cost. I'll stand right here uh, at the foot of the cross and stand. Pretty awesome lyrics. Check out the song, Newsboy Stand. Check out the whole new CD. It's pretty pretty kicking. Right on. Okay, cool. So um, I have been listening to a gentleman named Will Morrison. Familiar? Wow, I can't believe you're going to bring up Christian music that I have no... I'm, I don't have a clue who you're talking about. Okay, either. so he does... <laughs> he does um, acoustic versions of worship songs. Oh. And he does them very well. He's got a fantastic voice. Uh, pays the piano a lot. And What's sometimes Will Morrison. Will. All right. Good job, Will. I'll check you out. Yeah. And uh, in particular, one particular song that really he did a fantastic job with was Oceans, which is a song that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't do this version, obviously. Um, lyrics. Um, I mean, the lyric lyrics, uh, you call me, you, you call me out upon the water. The great unknown where feet may fall, fail, shoot. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. And there I find you in the minute, minute, in the mystery. Dang. <laughs> in oceans deep, my faith will stand. And I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours. You are mine. The great song. Uh, the lyrics are incredible. And definitely check out his, he has about Five or six albums, all acoustic, all worship. Good stuff. Nathan? I honestly do not have a song of the week. Oh. I've not been listening to music recently. (laughs) Okay. So I will do, I will endeavor to do better next time. All right. Well, I will do another one. Another song that we do (laughs) is uh, Oh Come to the Altar, but Elevation Worship good tune and they did an acoustic version of this song i have a uh, acoustic christian acoustic playlist i developed over here I on see. my spotify and uh it's extremely good too um i'm not going to say any lyrics i think we've even covered this song once but check out uh you can go to spotify and type in christian acoustic and you'll get some different different options to check out um if you're just looking for really great worship songs at a softer level just say you know you want chill it's evening you don't want nothing banging um christian acoustic versions is a very good outlet for that need so neat neat check it out all right pastor's thoughts all right well i guess our closing thought for today comes to us from matthew chapter 17 verse 20 in ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 because i was really into 20 today and uh these verses go as such Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. 
The next verse, uh, Ephesians 4.20 says this, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more. You catch that word? Infinitely more than we might ask or think. I uh, The closing thought I have for today is simply this. I believe God still wants to do some amazing things. Some amazing things. Jesus said it kind of this way. He said, I... Those who follow me will do even greater things than I did. And I think sometimes we don't expect as Christians enough. We don't expect him to do things through our life. We don't expect him to do things through our church. We don't expect miracles, and therefore we don't see him. What happened to Jesus when he went home to his hometown? They didn't expect him to do anything because uh, he was just a kid that grew up with their kids, played stickball in the backyard and built that house for, mm-hmm. you know, with their dad out in back, right? Because they were carpenters. And so they because. The Bible says because of their lack of faith, he could do but a few miracles. And it wasn't because he lost his power. It's because God says, guess what? It's according to your faith. And I want to challenge everybody listening today. What are you What are you trusting God to do in these last days? What are you trusting? What are you having faith? What are you believing him to do in and through you? Maybe it's time to up our belief just a little bit and see God do some amazing things before he takes us home. Amen. You know, speaking about that faith thing, um, when you are praying over somebody for healing, Mm -hmm. it rides so much, not only on your faith that you can do it through God, by God, through you, but their faith that they believe that it can be done. It is true. Uh, this is a that's a kind of a big topic, but I, I will I will throw out the comment that I believe wholeheartedly that lack of faith on either side can cause God not to act, not to move. However, I also believe sometimes God moves even if that person doesn't believe because I've seen it happen. I've seen because of the faith of the person praying, it happens anyway, or because of the, because you know basically the faith of one of them. So I guess all I'm saying is that. Yes, obviously you want to both have faith, but if if you're not sure about the other party, move forward anyway. Yeah. And just believe. I mean, God moves in people to bring them to that faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you're so, healed by someone praying over you, you're probably going to believe in God when it's over. <laughs> I, I would think so. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good chance. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the show. Um, thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Um, if you haven't followed this yet on your favorite podcast app, please do so you don't miss an episode and you get notified when a new one comes out. Uh, We really appreciate you all listening and uh, you have an amazing rest of your day and we'll see you next week. With that, say goodnight, Rick. Goodnight, Rick. Goodnight, Nate. Goodnight, Nate. Goodnight, everybody.